Welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast. Our podcast aims to connect you to what's going on at Ross Road Community Church, to connect you to the people at Ross Road, and ultimately, to connect you to God himself. Enjoy the episode. Okay, everybody, welcome to the Ross Road Connect podcast. My name is Holly, and I'm here with my co-host, Craig Thiessen. How are you doing, Craig? Howdy, I'm doing very well. How are you? Good. Well, howdy. I liked that. That was, yeah. that was fun. A little, um, uh, yeah. Influence there. <laughs> yeah, no, that was good. Uh, we are on episode, you just told me the number and I've already forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. Episode number 32. Episode number 32. And yeah. this is a great episode. We are here with Dave Rada. How are you doing, Dave? Doing great. Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, it's great to have you on the podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about a wide variety of things. We're going to talk about worship. We're going to talk a little bit about Bethel, Hillsong music, all the fun stuff. And we're going to play some games with Dave. Uh, it's going to be a great conversation. But um, I think the first thing we need to ask our listeners is something that the three of us were just discussing. Mm-hmm. And it's how many times a week do you wash your hair? <laughs> a completely unrelated topic to today's podcast. But we were just having this discussion. Which apparently I've just learned is different than the number of times you might have a shower in a week. Because yes. like whenever I'm in the shower, I just wash my hair. Like it's just, I don't even think about it. But yeah. apparently that's not a common thing I'm learning. No, I think, I think a lot of people, like they don't wash their hair every time they're in the shower. Yeah. Yeah. Like I actually know somebody who they in college went three months without washing their hair. Wow. Yeah. It was a, it was a pretty cool thing. Pretty cool thing to watch. <laughs> they have yeah. dreadlocks? No, they didn't have dreadlocks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would make oh, that, sense. That, that, yeah, that would have made sense. Yeah, Dave is a, a once a week uh, kind of guy. It sounds like. And uh, yeah, my hair is really fine, as I was saying before. So I need a little bit of oil in my hair, otherwise it's just a fluff ball all the time. So yeah. uh, it's a way to not have product in my hair all the time. I heard there's there's a like special combs you can get, so you basically theoretically don't have to ever shampoo your hair. You just comb your hair out like every day, really, really well. And it basically pulls all the dirt and like increases the oil production, I guess, or something like that. But there's people that are, that totally don't ever wash their hair. It's a thing. (laughs) That's definitely not me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I wash wash my hair every day. Like, uh, (laughs) yeah. I think I shower more than most people, but you know, it sounds like it every day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like a twice a week kind of gal for washing my hair. Like that's kind of the, that's the happy medium. I actually, I did this thing uh, back when I worked at camp and I just wouldn't even have a shower throughout the week. Uh-huh. And that was, you know, <laughs> many, 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 many years ago, but it was like, it was my shtick. Like I would go, like I would have a shower Sunday when I left for camp. And then again, like on the Friday when I would go home. So that was, uh, that was pretty gnarly. Oh, I, I, I do wouldn't that. do that now as a actual adult. <laughs> it's a good time. Yeah. So anyways, let us know what you think the right answer is. Um, yeah. Wow. This is going to be a great conversation today. Already off to an excellent start. So yeah, we have a great game to kick things off with here yeah that's gonna be fun so yeah this song is called or this song this game is called hill song or love song 
Now, if you're not um, super familiar, uh, we do use probably some Hillsong and Bethel music in our worship services. I'm sure you know they've got a lot of pretty popular songs out there. Uh, but sometimes some of the lyrics can be suspiciously close to um, secular sounding kind of songs. So yeah, we're gonna I'm gonna read the lyric of a song. And then um, Dave and Craig are both going to guess if it is a love song or a Hillsong quote. So these are only Hillsong worship songs. They're not anybody else. That's right. It is just okay. Hillsong. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This game is uh, sponsored by uh, Download Youth Ministry, a uh, great website in which I get a lot of my games from. Nice shout out. Yeah. Right. All right. Are you guys ready? Yes. <laughs> okay. Ready. Perfect. Okay, the first quote says, I was lost in a moment until you caught my eye. Hmm. I'm going to go Hillsong on that one. All right, Craig is going Hillsong. Dave? Uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll go Hillsong too. All right, and the answer is, you guys were both correct. The song, yes. I believe, is called Glimmer in the Dust. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Nice. Wow. There's a lot of these questions. Um, how many of these uh, do we want to do here? <laughs> Cause you know, I should pick the best ones really. But you pick about five or six and I've, I've got about that many too. So. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Cause I have, um, I think about <laughs> 20 here. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Let's do that one. Okay. You held on tight to me because nothing as it seems, I'm spinning out of control. Hmm. What are you I'm gonna go say first, love Dave? song on that one? You're gonna say love song. I'm gonna see that was my first thought, but then I thought, is Holly really gonna alternate back and forth? Um <laughs> so I'm gonna go hill song. All right. The correct answer is that it was a love song. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is Wonderland by Taylor Swift, um, an artist wow. that I don't personally listen to. So I wouldn't have been able to snag those lyrics, but honestly, some of these answers are pretty, they're quite shocking. <laughs> um, okay, what do we got next? Okay, here we go. This one could really very easily be either. And all of my hopes, all of my own words are all over, written on the signs, but you're on my road walking me home. That could so easily be either. I'm going to go Hillsong again. I guess. Yeah, I, I will too. All right. Dave and Craig both going with Hillsong. And I regret to inform you, this was a love song. Oh, this man. was I'm a Mess by Ed Sheeran. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that was like really the the you're my on my road walking me home. That really felt like that could have yeah. been a worship song. Yeah, that's what got me. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Okay. But I wonder where were you when I was at my worst, down on my knees. That one could also very easily be both. Uh, I haven't guessed love song yet, but I'm not going to hear either. I'm going to say hill song again. Craig's been guessing a consistent uh, hill yeah. song. <laughs> I'm going for 50% on this quiz. <laughs> Aim high. <laughs> I'm going to say love song again on this one. All right. 
And uh, the winner goes to Dave. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I, I realized we should have been keeping track of who's winning here. Well, I've only got one right, so. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I think Dave's got at least. <laughs> but Dave's yeah. the worship pastor, so he should be getting them right. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is um, the song Maps by Maroon 5. Okay. Oh, Maroon 5. Sometimes, you know, it's a band that I sometimes forget exists. Okay. Oh, here we go. This is a good one. Okay. This love will see me soar. It's more than enough and I need it because I'll never, I've never known better and I'll never know better. I'm letting Dave go first. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll say Hillsong. <laughs> All right, Dave's going Hillsong. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right, they're both going Hillsong, and they were correct. Yes. Nicely done. That is Love Enough by Hillsong. Oh, man. All right, I'm going to get one more. Yeah. One more good one. I'm going to make the last one really difficult. Okay. Yeah, because the other ones have been so easy. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there was one I remember playing it and there was one I was so shocked that it was a love song I'm trying to find it um that it okay, was a love one, song it was a it was a love song yeah. yeah oh you, well you're right <laughs> I'm gonna guess love song on this one yeah. all right we're going in a different direction <laughs> but I I really like this one that this one could just so easily be either all right this one says I'll give my all to you you're my end and my beginning That's a toughie. I'm going to guess the love song. Craig's going love song. I think I'm going to say love song as well. All right. And you both are correct. It was a love song. <laughs> that is All of Me by John Legend. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Nice. All right. That's all for me, Craig. What do you got? Okay. I'm just, just a few for me. Okay. This first one, uh, the lyric is this, my first, my last, my everything, and the answer to all my dreams. How awesome would it be if we could guess so this, this song too? Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so are these just Hill songs again or? No, these are uh, branching beyond this... Hill song. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. Um... I'm going to say love song. Yeah, I kind of want to say the love song too. It is a love song. Yes, it's called My First, My Last, My Everything by Barry White. Oh, uh, Barry White, someone I've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's try this one. Uh, lay back against you and breathe. Hear your heartbeat. This love is so deep. It's more than I can stand. If this is a worship song, I'm concerned. <laughs> So I'm gonna oh, go I'm love gonna song. definitely say worship song on this one. <laughs> Please be a love song. <laughs> Are you saying love song, Holly? Yes. <laughs> uh, this is a worship song. No. <laughs> it it's uh, from the song "The More I Seek You" by Carrie Job. Oh my gosh! Okay. Uh, yeah, All right. Yeah. Yeah. That. Wow. Yeah. That's that's just, it's very it's um anyways. <laughs> okay. How about this one? Uh, oh, come a little closer. Stay a little longer. Oh, I can't get enough of you. Okay, that's got to be a love song. <laughs> that's definitely a worship song. That is a worship song. What? 
called Just Like <laughs> Heaven from Brandon Lake. Oh my goodness. And that actually, that Brandon, one was the inspiration no. for me suggesting we play this game because this song is in just an Apple playlist, worship playlist that they put together. And it's just, it's almost like two different songs because it's got that kind of vibe to it for most of the song. And then all of a sudden it switches to start singing about God's holiness and like how, uh, <laughs> you know, his, his presence is like heaven. And it's like, that was an abrupt shift from yeah. what the first half sounded like to the second half. So interesting. Uh, okay, one more. Um, your love is one in a million. It goes on and on and on. You give me a really good feeling all day long. I've guessed love song for every single. That better thing. be a love song. Yeah. So I, I'm just gonna keep <laughs> keep consistency. That one is a love song. Yeah. 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 What is it? Uh, it's called One in a Million by Alia. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> An artist Craig uh, frequently listens to. Okay? Yeah. No, I'd never heard yeah. that name. But I don't even know if I'm saying it right. To be honest with you. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the, some of these questions, like that we, I read an article a while ago, and David seen it too, I think, where it was talking about how some of the worship songs we sing aren't actually written by Christians. They're written by, um, by um, musicians or uh, lyricists, I guess, who know enough about the industry to put a song together that sounds like something Christians would like, and then wow. Christian artists can pick it up and sing it. I did and, not know that. Wow. And so, yeah, so some of these lyrics... Um, really border on romantic kind of love songs when it's talking about God. Um, so Dave, here's the first question then. Is that okay? Um, how should we think about that? Yeah, I'm really glad we are, are taking, taking this on for this question, this kind of category, because I, I got sent a, a video link uh, a while back from somebody in the congregation uh, I think you saw this one as well, Craig, but it was this uh, pastor, kind of theologian, being interviewed and talking about Hillsong and Bethel particularly. And he was very critical of um, of their ministries kind of in general. And he was accusing them of being kind of malevolent cults, basically. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, uh, to start yeah. off, it was really, really slanted from that perspective. Um, and he made some of the same... Um, observations about the you know romantic nature of the music but he, he his main point was about their theology and doctrine of the churches themselves mm -hmm. and so that's kind of the first place to start like is there if there's a church or a, or a person like a songwriter that has different theological views than we do <clears throat> can we use music that's coming out of those churches or uh, that person mm -hmm. and one thing that came to my mind was actually Beautiful Things by Michael Gunger. Mm. Um, so he, he wrote that years ago. And since then, he's basically kind of stepped away from the church. And he's definitely outside of kind of Christian orthodoxy at this mm -hmm. moment. Yeah. And so, like, do we, can we still sing that song, right? That's, you know, something that came to my mind. But it's the same kind of idea. And I, I definitely would put Bethel and Hillsong in kind of prosperity gospel kind of territory. Um, so I definitely wouldn't say that a lot of their doctrines are, or a, a few a few key ones may may not be super aligned with Ross Road, particularly. Mm -hmm. But overall, I'd say they're still in that general camp of Christian orthodoxy, right? I mean, they're still believe that Jesus Christ 
is God's son and he came to save us and all, you know, the key, the key things of Christian orthodoxy, they're going to affirm. So um, then it's a matter. So I, I think we can take songs uh, that are coming out of groups or from people that um, may, may not totally align with us. Cause I think we can take song kind of as they are. Like we look at this song as it is, like, what is this song actually saying? Um, in its own lyrics, apart from where it came from and who wrote it. I think it's it seems to be fine to do that because um, we're, we're the ones singing it, right? We're making it kind of our own when we're singing it. It becomes an expression of what we're saying to God, apart from what other people have, you know, said to God with that. So... I don't think songs get contaminated by people's theology. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, I think we can kind of take them at face value um, overall. Mm. Uh, yeah. Does that answer that question? <laughs> I feel like yeah. that totally answered like so many of the questions that uh, I was going to ask here. Um, yeah. I'm kind of thinking oh, like, where do you land on the conversation? No, that was great. That was like such a perfectly well-crafted answer that just like <laughs> answered all these questions. That was awesome. Um, yeah. I, I don't know, Craig, if you have any other questions kind of about like the worship songs in particular, but I think it'd be interesting to know too, kind of your opinion on like mega churches in general. But if Craig, if you have any other questions about like the Hillsong conversation, you should ask them now. Yeah. Let, let's, um, I'm I'm trying to find where I saw this uh, earlier as I was doing some research for this. Um, and if I had it in front of me, I would give you specific examples. But there are songs that are uh, there are hymns that we sing actually from uh, well-known um, uh, hymnists. Oh, here's the list right here. Oh, perfect. Okay, great. So we sing these songs without any problem, but we actually don't realize that after these songs were written, um, the people who wrote them, um, you know, didn't actually follow through on the very things that they were singing about. So for instance, I didn't know this, but the song Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing um, was written in 1757 by a Methodist preacher named Robin, Robert Robinson. Uh, who writes this article later fulfilled the prone to wander line by drifting away from the faith. Wow. Um, we don't, we don't <laughs> have qualms about singing that song. Um, I didn't know this either, but um, it is well with my soul, which uh, has a cool story attached to it by Horatio Spafford. His children uh, were involved in a, a boat that sank. Um, he, some of his teachings uh, apparently were, uh, um, maybe uh, this article says at best ill-informed and at worst heretical. Wow. Um, so, you know, not everything that he taught maybe was <laughs> as uh, accurate as the song he, he sung. So um, I just, I, I, I wonder how this, and maybe there's a question coming out of this eventually as I ramble through that. Um, <laughs> how, how does cancel culture uh, mm. impact worship? Uh, so if there are, like how 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 closely do we have to agree with everything that a person a person would say or believe or teach in order to sing the song that they write? I, I think there's a line somewhere, but but where's the line? It's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. I hadn't really thought about that in particular. By the way, I stopped my video just because my internet connection is not super great right now, mm -hmm. so I don't want to totally fail on me. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
I hadn't thought about that in the context of cancel culture because I think it, def it definitely um, people, you know, are, are in our cultural moment, we're much more aware of this kinds of thing, these kinds of things. And we're, we're um, at, you know, actions, people's actions of the past have this, this kind of effect on things that are going on now more than they ever have, I think. And uh, overall, I think if it's, if, if it's not affecting people that are, that are using the song, um, if that's not kind of, they don't have a real connection to that person or that bit of history, I think we can, we can take things at face value, like I said, because mm -hmm. we're making our own, right? Um, but obviously, if, if that history, that, that story becomes connected to that song, um, intrinsically in the culture of, of Ross Road, for example, then I've, you know, I think that would be a deterrent for people um, if there is that strong connection and they may not, they may kind of be distracted by that, right? And in that mm -hmm. case, that'd be a good enough reason to not sing it for me. Uh, but I think it really has to do with individual groups, you know, of com or communities using music and their relationship to those songs. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's a way to, to figure out where that line exactly is because <laughs> there's yeah. so many variables, right? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Do you, do have you, Dave, um, uh, the answer is probably yes, but have, have you ever, uh, decided that we would not sing a song or pull the song that we had sung in the past? And what's your criteria for evaluating songs aside from just theological error? Cause obviously that would be one huge red flag, but are there other things that would cause you to pull a song? Uh, it's mostly definitely directly connected to theological, um, ideas in the lyrics that, that just don't, um, match with what we should be affirming when we're singing. And I definitely have uh, not sung um, songs. Uh, there's one uh, in the secret place, that one, what's it called? Oh, I think it is just called the secret place. Is that by Phil Wickham? No, it's actually an older one. I'm thinking. Oh, of. okay. I was going to say, dang, I like that song. That's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was actually pointed out by Ellen in a conversation oh, wow. talking about um, how when children are abused, sometimes um, adults will, their abusers will will have this kind of language about it being wow. secret, you know, it's our little secret. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that, that kind of really stuck with me. I thought if, if people have that association that I definitely – don't want to have that as something that we're we're singing, right? Um, but I've I've also modified lyrics in songs that if, if it's an easy fix, if it's like a matter of changing a couple words and you can make it work, then I've done that before and it seems to be a great option mm. rather than pulling the whole song. If it's just kind of one line that has something that's just a little bit weird theologically. But that, that kind of brings me to a, the broader question about theology and music, right, and worship songs. And I was thinking about that, and I, I did a little bit. Just you can you can look it up and uh, find 
lots of different blog posts and stuff. People have talked about this and give you lots of lists of songs and what the problem lines are in the songs and stuff like that. Um, but one thing that I think about is, you know, what's the, what's the primary purpose of, of worship music, right? Is it theological explanation? Is that the primary, you know, purpose of, of music, of worship music? Uh, and, and I mean, there's a there's a bit of a tension here, I think, because words are important. Obviously, it's important um, what we sing and the words that we're using. They shape how we think about God and our relationship to God and, and different theological stuff that comes up. So that's important. Um, but I think the main purpose of worship music is more about about facilitating heartfelt, honest expression to God. Um, and like, you don't you don't see a lot of worship songs that are based on systematic theology textbooks, right? Because um, it's it's a different thing. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think it's it's one of the, yeah it is a tension. It's it's important to whenever possible have music that theologically correct uh, absolutely. But I think people when they're analyzing songs and when they're kind of critiquing saying this song, you know, has this line in it and it's not theologically correct. It ends up being kind of splitting hairs between different finer points of, of um, like, you know, atonement theology or something like that. And it's, it's not something that has, that's going to compromise it in terms of being in that general Christian orthodoxy kind of um, sphere. So, um that that's kind of my thoughts on on theological accuracy in music and, and i think if if music was the only vehicle we had for teaching theology then yeah it would be really really important that every single line we sing would be totally accurate but that it isn't right we have sermons we have bible studies we have you know that's the that those are the places um where we're actually people are, are thinking about theology in a more detailed way. Um, worship music is, is more about facilitating that, that connection because it's, it's art too. At the end of the day, you know, it's music and there's, that adds a whole bunch of other variables to it. Right. And what makes good music and that is going to, you know, in, enable and facilitate that connection um, has, has a lot to do with, um, things that are really hard to nail down and not, not about theology. Right. So, yeah. I, I think the danger of theological inaccuracy in songs is that songs are so memorable just by the nature that it's music. Right. And, uh, yeah, you know, totally. when you walk away from church, usually you're not, well, I mean, I, I hope that you're ruminating on a sermon or conversations that, that took place, but, often you walk away with a song in your head, right? Like one of the songs that you sang yeah. and, and it's stuck in your head for the rest of the day. And so <clears throat> it's important in that regard to, to be helping us all to understand correctly about who God is and, and our responsibility to him, which I think is why I'll bring it back to where we started. These kind of Jesus is my girlfriend kind of songs uh, are actually promoting a... Um, uh, well, I think the aim that they're going for is to promote the imminence of God, like God is close, God is near, 
uh, God is a friend, which is all true, but it does so at the expense of God's transcendence, that mm -hmm. God is one that we honor and respect. And I'm mm -hmm. not dating Jesus. I'm following him as the Lord of my life. And uh, therefore, I owe all to him. So that that's, I think... Um, uh, that's, I think, one reason why the theological accuracy is important. But I don't think we can lose sight, like you say, Dave. Uh, you're not going to sing through a textbook. You're going to you're going to sing through something that appeals to the depths of our soul, right? And uh, I mm. I think that's one of the reasons why we're commanded to sing together. Um, yeah. That we be right. reminded of our uh, of our allegiance to God, um, of our personal responsibility, of our love for Him. And also it encourages one another as we sing these things together. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to say, I thought it was interesting when you said like people use the expression of like dating Jesus. Like I always thought that expression was so funny because it's like, you know, dating doesn't always lead to like marriage. And so it's funny that people say, oh, I'm dating Jesus. It's like, right. that's such a casual, like, <laughs> like when you want to say you're married, but regardless, um, yeah, yeah, no, totally. I think like, I think this whole conversation is like, it's super interesting to me. Cause it's like the whole kind of like Hillsong and Bethel, like conversation I've been like really interested in for a long time. And I've heard the, um, like the comparison of Hillsong and Bethel being like a cult before. And I've, I've listened to a podcast, um, called cultish and they had somebody on there who went to Bethel, the school. And so I was very like, I don't know. I wasn't sure where I landed on like, Oh, do we listen to their songs or do we not? So I like hearing kind of this other kind of side of the perspective as well. And I think it's, it's interesting too, when we talk about like cancel culture and like, you know, if that person did something wrong, we all of a sudden can't listen to that song. And I think, yeah, the danger with that, like is all of a sudden, you know, eventually we're not going to have any more songs to listen to because we are imperfect people and we're going to mess up. And like, I believe in holding people accountable when they've done something wrong a hundred percent, but the yeah i guess the danger with cancel culture and like the worship kind of rubble things is if we take it that far then eventually we'll have no more music to listen to so yeah i just think it's a fascinating conversation for sure um yeah i would love to hear your yeah no you you go i insist <laughs> well i think you can look at the theological accuracy of worship music as one kind of category in this and looking at the romantic Mm -hmm. kind of language thing as a separate thing because i think that's actually um it's been around for a long time to start with this is not mm -hmm. a new conversation yeah. Um, yeah. since bethlehem about kind of romantic angles kind of to to the language of worship music mm -hmm. and i think of songs that are based on on bits of song of songs <clears throat> yeah like his banner over me is love you know mm -hmm. he, totally I am my beloved and he is mine. These are lines right out of Song of Songs, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, and there's different perspectives on, on how we interpret Song of Songs, whether it's just strictly um, kind of a part of, you know, wisdom lit that's describing kind of rom romance and eroticism within that culture in kind of that, that um, aspirational, healthy way from that Jewish perspective, or mm -hmm. is it something that has a, a deep, spiritual connection and, and relating our relationship with God or the church's relationship with Christ as his bride and all that stuff. And I definitely uh, would not be as much in the camp of seeing it as, as a, as a direct 
like allegory or a picture of, of that relationship as much. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of people do, and it has been looked at that way for a long time. And so that's why you, you have this influence in worship songs. And uh, even songs, you know, it's uh, let my words be few, right? Jesus, I am so in love with you. Mm-hmm. And there, there's, you don't have to look very far to find songs that have that, that specific wording that that can only be described as romantic love kind of language right Mm -hmm. and is that something that that is okay right you know can we can we have those you know almost feelings of romantic love towards god is is what it comes down to is that is that um biblical i guess is Mm. is the question right um and it, depending again on on how you look at the whole idea of of uh, the church being the bride of Christ, is does that kind of bring in some kind of romantic angle to the whole thing? I don't know. So I, I'm not a terribly emotional, sentimental person. So what? You know, <laughs> so that you know that that kind of worship song has never really appealed to me very much because that's just not how i've thought about my own relationship to god so so yeah but I, is it is it kind of within that realm of christian orthodoxy i guess is the question is it is it biblical so that's as much a question for, for you guys uh, I'm... Yeah. <laughs> yeah well i mean certainly when we we sing out songs including love we're we're singing about and to a love that is higher than any other kind of love we can experience, right? So, so in some ways, it makes sense for us to try to describe that in the way in which love is most intensely experienced on earth, mm. which is in these right. kind of romantic ways. Um, so I can understand that. Uh, and, and certainly, um, um, yeah, if you look at the New Testament, I, I don't know if you would find... I'd have to, that's a good question, Dave. I would have to search through the, the New Testament a little bit more and even through the Psalms to see if that kind of expression is used mm-hmm. in that same kind of way. Uh, I just feel like if I have to ask myself, who am I singing to right now? Or what am I singing about right now when I'm supposed to be worshiping God? Then maybe we've, mm-hmm. maybe we've made it a little bit too lovey-dovey uh, in terms of a romantic kind of way. Um, and I, I also think that there is so much, uh, sexual innuendo in our culture these days Mm. that if, if that's Mm -hmm. what a worship song leads you to think because of that innuendo, Mm. then I don't think that's going in the right direction. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I definitely like thinking through. Um, it doesn't seem to be like a, a very prominent theme for sure in the in the New Testament and even other parts of the Old Testament um, with that kind of expression um, of love towards God. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of examples of that, even if there are yeah. a, a small handful or something. Certainly, nothing like the way Song of Songs is interpreted in that way. Uh, so yeah, that'd be a good good study to do for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think of like another Oh, go ahead, Dave. 
I was just, another thought that occurred to me just kind of more in general, looking at, at uh, the theology of worship music um, is that Christian, like biblical worship has never been like, an incantation. You know what I mean? It's never been about this saying just the right words in this kind of magical combination that invoke the presence of God mm. by the specific words we say. That's that's never been what it's what worship is about. It's it's been about heart, right? It's been about our our real attitude and relationship with God. Um, even in the Old Testament, you know, obedience is better than sacrifice, right? Um, and so I think part of the hang maybe is like if if we're not saying the exact right words, right? If if there's something a little bit off theology theologically or doctrinally then there then it's not going to work right mm -hmm. <laughs> then then somehow it negates the effect of of our worship right and mm -hmm. i just i don't think that that's how it works i think it's it's much more about people's real um their own personal expression of of love and adoration towards god and their relationship with god um and it's not about about like I said, an incantation, right? Um, so that that's something to keep in mind, I think, as well. Looking just in that general general way at this whole category, and, and I think it's worth saying too that people connect with different kinds of songs. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, you, you know, like like I'm sure Dave, you've got this many times. Like how many hymns versus contemporary songs because. Some people will gravitate more towards hymns and some people will gravitate more towards contemporary songs. Um, I think as I speak about worship songs, I think to myself, the songs that are all about praising God rather than focusing on, um, you know, that dynamic of, of uh, these, some of these songs we've already referenced in, in the game earlier, like that kind of love aspect. I don't know. Like I, I, I was, I've just been thinking as we've been talking about this, some of the songs that are recorded in scripture, like the song of, of Moses and Miriam and Exodus 15 and the song of Mary and Luke chapter one and, and Zechariah as well, as well in Luke chapter one, they're all about praising God for who he is. Right. And lifting God's mm -hmm. name high in that way. And so I, yep. I guess I have to just say like my bias is towards those kinds of songs. Um, I, I find them more, more effective or powerful in helping me to worship God, but that's not to say that everybody would have the same perspective as I do. Yeah, absolutely. And it does seem like there, there is uh, it's unbalanced in the whole um, kind of body of music that is, that is kind of popular current worship music. Uh, it seems to be much more skewed to, to the me and Jesus kind of category mm. of, of worship music rather than that, that adoration of God. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it, it is, I kind of, I, it, I struggle with that too, because when you've got, you, you want to sing songs that people, that people kind of connect with and have heard before is nice. Cause you know, then you're not, starting from scratch and trying to, to learn the same music together to sing. Um, yeah. but when you've, when majority of the music is, is kind of in that other category, it makes it challenging too. And, and 
and I, you know, you can, you can find it and I'll, I'll go out of my way to try to find lesser, lesser known, um, you know, less popular groups that are producing probably better music theologically, but just not quite as hooky and, you know, really, really super produced like Hillsong Bethel stuff is. Um, so I think it's, it's important to have a blend of that stuff, right? Like we need to obviously um, have music that is as theologically correct as, as we can find. Mm -hmm. And, but that still is music that people are going to engage with. Right. So it's, that's the tension. Okay. Holly, you want to talk Mm -hmm. mega churches. Yeah. I mean, if we have time, I like, I don't know. I just, I think it's such an interesting conversation to be had too. Like, cause I don't know. And specifically like, I know Bethel like has some interesting like theologies that I don't necessarily agree with. Like, I don't know, kind of the perspective on like the way they do healings and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I don't know, that's kind of a whole other different conversation that could go on for a long time, but I guess like the <laughs> mega church model, I guess in general, we can go beyond Bethel too, but do you, in your professional opinion, think that that's like, is it effective? Like, or I don't know what, just what are your thoughts on mega churches? I think, um, a lot of, a lot of maybe older, more, um, more kind of conservative churches that are definitely outside of the charismatic movement, which is definitely where, where these churches are. Um, I think maybe they're just kind of, uh, bummed that, they didn't figure out YouTube like, like these guys did early on. Right. Cause yeah. I mean, that's a huge, huge part of, of their ministry. And it's a great ministry. I mean, if they're in this space of social media and YouTube and they've really done a great job of putting content out. That's mm-hmm. really, really well produced and really engaging. And um, that's great. I think, you know, being in that space, that, but that's what it takes to be in that space is to be really, okay. really highly. And um, so I'm, I'm kind of back and forth in my own opinion about that stuff, because on one hand, I see the value of it in the grand scheme. I, I think it's great that there are these ministries that are doing that. Yeah. But in terms of actually applying, you know, stuff that they're doing, to what we do as a local church here in Abbotsford, right? Um, There's not a lot of direct correlation. I guess the problem is that churches are trying to emulate certain aspects of what, what like Bethlehem Hillsong are doing. And they're, they're kind of emulating the wrong things, right? And their motivations aren't really great. Uh, And look at the popularity, look at, you know, the success, quote unquote, um, and they're trying to do do stuff that's going to make them also have that same kind of reach, I guess, which is a great goal, I guess. But um, I think everybody has to realize where they're called, like what, what they're called to do. And I, I think as a as a local church, it's much more important that um, we're doing stuff that's facilitating worship focused on our own people first, right, mm-hmm. um, and not about having some production value that's going to let us um, be really influential on social media and, and on YouTube or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think production, production value becomes overly emphasized. 
to the to the um, detriment of things like theology, for instance. Right. Um, um, and they're gonna focus, spend a lot a lot more time maybe on on really hooky riffs and melody lines um, more than developing biblical theology kind of at the foundation of, of this music. So yeah, it, it's, I, like I said, I kind of go back and forth. I think it's, is uh, a good, a great ministry. I'm sure there have been thousands of people that have come to faith because of these ministries, you know, through YouTube and, and stuff like that. So that's, that's wonderful. But in terms of, as a local church, what's our relationship to those churches? That's kind of a different thing. And we have to be a lot more intentional, I think, about how we're looking to those churches. And again, I think doctrinally, like we mentioned before, I don't think music kind of gets contaminated, right, by these, by churches that are producing music. Um, and I, growing, like, from someone that grew up in the charismatic Pentecostal yeah movement like i did i'm i'm familiar with all that stuff i you know i chose to not be part of that whole scene as i got older yeah. um and but that's something that everybody has to you know make those decisions for themselves in you know their own uh, interpretation of certain parts of scripture and all that kind of stuff and um, yeah that's definitely a whole different topic <laughs> totally yeah i feel like we can have a really interesting conversation too especially someone coming from a pentecostal bible school as well mm. yeah. yeah exactly a lot to be said yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah no that's interesting thanks for your thanks for your thoughts around that dave and um yeah i don't know i think it's so interesting because yeah like you're saying like it's crazy because people like us can totally benefit from like the high production value coming from like their church and what they're doing and music wise. And like, we totally benefit, we get, you know, mm -hmm. amazing songs like coming out of there. But I always just wonder what it must be like to attend a mega church. Like what is their experience? So like for some people that might be exactly what they need, but I can't imagine like going to mm -hmm. a church of such that like big of a capacity. And I feel like I could, it would just be so easy to get lost. Right. But I'm sure they've thought about how that affects their ministry, but anyways. Yeah, I, I would say uh, I, I'd want to respond to it by saying, um, well, first of all, to to remove Bethel and, and Hillsong out of the equation for now. I mean, a, any church that is in theological error is problematic, no matter how big or small. Yeah. It is. So let's just, for this answer, assume that there's a theological integrity to the church. And um, also to speak broader than just the worship part of things. Uh, I'm going to echo, and I, I'm trying to remember who said it. I might have been Tim Keller, um, but if it wasn't, my apologies to him. Not that he's listening to this podcast, but um, <laughs> I, I think he always does. Yeah, he always does. That's right. Um, I think that churches of all size are are, are necessary for the spread of the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, oh yeah, and, and so a mega church will have different opportunities and challenges than a smaller church of. 50 people in the middle of the prairies, mm -hmm. but um, both of them have a vital role to play. So, so some of the challenges a mega church might have would be what you said, Holly is, is building community in the church, right? Mm -hmm. That's going to be a challenge. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, some of them have very effective small group ministries in different ways in which they've, they've tried to go about that. So I think that's a, a real uh, positive. Uh, the, the challenge could be though, that someone could sit there and just take a bunch of, 
you know, spiritual information in, but really not change because there's no community pushing them to change or not serve anywhere because they um, can just be one, one among many. But mm-hmm. an advantage that they have is they, they often have like really great um, quality, talented people, right? Like I, I think of, um, uh, you know, someone locally here like Mark Clark, right? Like Village is a big church, but he's an excellent preacher. So he's got the opportunity to speak to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And as they try to plant churches across the country, and as uh, you know, these bigger churches have the opportunity to plant churches in different areas, their influence can spread uh, maybe faster than a smaller church would be able to do because they've, totally. they've got those kind of gifted people involved. And the same thing would be true for music, like we've spoken about. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the challenge uh, of a small church um, might be having that kind of reach. But the, the advantage is that the community can be stronger, right? Like we're, our church would be, you know, our church of about 400 people would be in most places in North America, a big church. Um, in Abbotsford, it's mm-hmm. kind of like a medium sized church. Um, and people come to us from larger churches and say, I felt like I was noticed here. And I felt like, you know, I could fit into community here where I felt like I was a, 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 just a person in the crowd at, at, at a larger church. So that's an advantage that we have. But um, we we might not have the same kind of resources as a larger church might have, and that's both a blessing and just an opportunity we we wouldn't have that a bigger church would have. So I think there's a place for all sizes of churches. Um, I think looking, uh, uh, I think criticism of mega churches um, is sometimes done um, uh, w- without thinking it through completely maybe, or um, maybe even out of jealousy um, Mm. or uh, I I just, I don't think that it's fair just to outright criticize these mega churches. There's my two cents. No, that's good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So we're, we're basically out of time here. So we should play this, uh, this final game with Dave and then we should wrap up. Yeah, that's true. And yeah, this has been a great, uh, a great conversation together yeah. here. So many, so many great things to unpack. It's always great to pick at Dave's brain. It is. <laughs> yeah. It's got a lot going on in that brain. So it really does. Oh, yeah. I don't know. We haven't even talked about all of his hobbies. <laughs> I know. One of my questions that we didn't even get to was if you could only pursue one hobby for the rest of your life, what would it be? And I was looking forward to hearing oh, okay. you over that. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, I feel like you would have a really hard time answering that one. Yeah. Well, I, I do only have one hobby. It's collecting hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's that great. sounds right. Yeah. Great. So the game that we are going to play, I think we've only played it maybe one other time uh, on this podcast, but it's something, you know, I'm trying to integrate into our conversation. So this game is called, do you know me? And it works like this. Uh, we will ask a question to Dave slash about Dave and Craig and I will try to answer that question first and give what we think. And then after that, Dave will give his answer. Make sense? Yes. All right, cool. So the first, the first question, um, is has Dave ever broken a bone? So Craig and I will answer. I I don't know that I've ever seen Dave with a broken bone. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Courtney broke a bone at one point in the last well, how long have we known each other? 15 years or 12 years or something? But I'm going to say yes. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't know. Dave has just had a really interesting life. So I'm going to also yeah. say yes. <laughs> yes. I have broken a bone. It was my collarbone snowboarding. Oh, what? Yeah, snowboarding. Dave, that's like the coolest yeah. answer ever. <laughs> Well, it didn't feel very cool when it happened. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but I didn't even know that you, you like snowboarded. Neither did I. Yeah, I was totally pro, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. We're hanging out with Sean White. <laughs> yeah, it's, wow. it's a long story. We don't have time to get into it. But <laughs> Can I just ask, have you snowboarded since then? No, I have not. Oh, no. <laughs> was, Wait, how old were really you? It was really bad timing. Oh, I was... God. 23 or 22. Oh my goodness. Wow. You know what? That's, it's so interesting because like I have a pretty cool scar on my elbow. I was going to show, but you know, obviously our listeners can't see that, but, um, it's literally from like falling off of my couch. And I always just like wish that I had a cool story like that, you know? Yeah. I broke it. I was like (laughs) treading on my snowboard, but, uh, no (laughs) fell off my couch. couch. Yeah. So that's honestly, it's a pretty cool story, even though I'm sure it was really painful. Uh, Okay. Next, (laughs) next question. Um, what is Dave's favorite decade of music? I'm going to go with the nineties. I was also going to say the nineties because I just know, like, I'm pretty sure we've had conversations about this before. Like, I know you love your classic worship nineties, but also we've talked about how like rock kind of like peaked in the nineties too. So yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with the nineties. Yeah, you're definitely right. I alternative rock in the nineties is is one of my favorites for sure. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Alternative rock is one of the best genres there is seriously and, and delirious for the win so there's there's the 90s right <laughs> that's there. right so. yeah <laughs> oh man no that's awesome um okay does dave know how to juggle oh man i feel like this is something that it wouldn't surprise me if dave told me he knew how to juggle right <clears throat> but i'm gonna i'm gonna say no I am going to say yes. I just feel like it's one of those things that Dave, he'll just know. Well, I'll, I'll say you're both right. Cause I, okay. I can juggle technically, yes. but I can only keep three balls up in the air for maybe like 20 seconds or something. <laughs> okay. So well, that's 20 seconds. Can... <laughs> that yeah. is amazing. Nice. Nice. If I spent a lot of time, I'm sure I could figure it out. <laughs> I'm sure that you could too. <laughs> He's going to come in next week uh, knowing how to juggle. At- yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay, this one I'm really excited to watch you struggle over. Um, if Dave had to choose a favorite between Star Trek and Lord of the Rings, what would he choose? See, I feel like, I feel like, I'm, okay, I could be wrong, but I feel like I know this one. Like, I feel like it's got to be Star Trek. I know. I feel like I've heard Dave talk more about Star Trek, but you've also just really seemed like one of those people who's like really passionate about Lord of the Rings. But yeah, I think I'm also going to go with Star Trek. I'm going to have to say Lord of the Rings, actually. <gasps> oh, Sorry no <laughs> <laughs> It was like... If it was like a desert island thing, it's like I could either pick like the whole, like all of the Star Trek seasons or the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I would definitely take the Lord of the, Lord of the oh. Rings trilogy. Wow. It's definitely, it's, it's actually literature, right? Like it's. Yeah, I, exactly. 
Would it change if it was Star Wars? I like Star Trek. Right. No. Would it change if it was Star Wars? No, still. No? Okay. See, and that's, I was gonna, I was thinking of rephrasing the question to say if you had to get rid of one, which one would you get rid of? But, and I think if that was the question, I kind of figured you might be Lord of the Rings because of the whole kind of literature aspect of it. But uh, yeah, no, that's, yeah, it's interesting. And okay, the last song is can dave name five songs by the beatles yeah <laughs> and i'm gonna i'm gonna say yes yeah. <laughs> uh yeah let's see uh tax man uh revolution number oh what is it number something here comes the sun i want to hold your hand uh lucy in the sky with diamonds sure <laughs> nice i like that you went for songs that were like i mean except for here comes the sun it's like not their most popular <laughs> songs you know i figured you would have gone for like yellow submarine like drive my car i like i'm attracted to the obscure ones with them yeah oh that's great <laughs> Awesome. Well, Dave, that is all the questions. So thank you for playing. Uh, do you know me? I think, uh, yeah, got to know a little bit more about Dave. That's mm-hmm. great. Um, but yeah, thank you just more in general for coming on our <laughs> podcast today. Yeah. Thanks, Dave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, uh, oh, super great. To, yeah, thank you. Have that conversation. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. And thank you to our listeners and we'll have another podcast for you coming up hopefully in the next couple of weeks and uh yeah thank you guys for listening and i hope that you enjoy the rest of your day wherever you are and we'll see you later ross road connect podcast is produced by ross road community church in abbotsford bc for more information about our church community and links to more podcasts and sermons visit rossroadcc.ca